Welcome to Sex the Podcast episode number 14. I still can't believe we have that many episodes. <laughs> it, it took a little bit to get there. It only took a year, but we're back on the consistency wagon. We appreciate all of your patience and messages of when the next podcasts are coming. So thank you so much for being along with us for this ride. This episode is so awesome. It's so awesome. I can't wait to listen to it again. It's that good. We got the idea to interview Jonathan and Evian after both Natalie and I saw a really vulnerable Facebook post that Jonathan made on his Facebook page. So it rocked me personally because I had never experienced someone so openly talking about their marriage and how they went through a sexless marriage for a period of time, how it brought up a lot for both of them and how it impacted both of them and you know, just kind of giving us a peek into their world that it's not always easy and they had to do their work and, and they're on the other side of it now. But just really had us realizing again this is a conversation that's not had Evian is a writer who openly chronicles her journey of erotic awakening and exploration on her blog in addition to writing about her sex life she's also a sexuality doula where she helps facilitate educate and hold space for other women who want to step out of sexual shame and into their erotic power And Jonathan Mead is an irreverent pioneer, champion for human wildness, and professional instigator. He quit his job at age 23 after moonlighting on his own terms. Now in his early 30s and a full-time renegade, he's passionate about helping men reawaken the giant sleeping within them. He's found that by helping men reconnect with nature, they discover their own true nature and wild masculine strength. And in this conversation with Jonathan and Evian, we talked about how their sex life went from, in their words, a gut-wrenching, horrible zero, all the way to an 11 out of 10. They turned the volume knob on their sex life past 10 to 11. Yeah. And they talked about how taking sex off of the table wasn't about giving up, but that it was one of the better decisions they made in their relationship. Evian has a really insightful piece around sexual sovereignty that she shared. And she talks about how before you can be sexual with anyone else, you need to have an intimate sexual relationship with yourself. And last but definitely not least, one of the topics we explored was owning our own erotic sexual identities within a relationship. So we're really excited to have you here for this episode. Again, it was it was. They're, they're incredible human beings. This was such a good conversation, and we know that you're going to love it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. So welcome, Jonathan and Evian, to Sex the Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. And Natalie, why don't, you, um, why don't you lead them in to the show? Okay, so um, obviously we reached out because of a topic that um, Jonathan had posted about online, but before we kind of dive into that, we would love for each of you, just in your own way, give us a Cliff Notes version of your own sexual history. So however far back you want to start, but just kind of a high-level overview from 
um, when either sex was a thought or sex was an action um, up until uh, when you two met. Awesome. Whoever wants to start. Uh, you can go. All right, I'll go. Um, so I was raised in a very religious home. Um, so sex wasn't uh, something that you did unless you were married to a man. Uh, so I had a lot of baggage about sex and a lot of curiosities. I mean, it was both a, a sin and an evil, but also something that I was very drawn to, something that I saw um, unfold and be explored in the relationships that I had with like my teenage friends and school and stuff like that. I mean, it was in every song it was. Mm -hmm. So there was this very interesting, like, uh, kind of like dichotomy, I guess, of like seeing on the one hand there is, it's like this evil thing and my parents and my church and, uh, you know, all of the people that were raising me were saying that this is a bad thing, that this isn't something that you do. Um, unless you're married. And then on the other side, it was, you know, watching my friends and, and, and their boyfriends kind of do the nasty and back of cars and, you know, like, so, so it was really, really confusing for me. And, and I kind of grew up a product of that confusion, um, well into my, uh, like my early teens. That's when I started to feel just really confused about sex, my own sexuality the desires that I had, um, there's a lot of shame around having those desires. And because I wasn't taught about the proper way to be in a sexy, I'm sorry, in a, in a sexual relationship with someone, like I wasn't taught about consent. I wasn't taught about Uh, rape. I wasn't taught about like healthy boundaries that are created in sexual relationships. Um, my very first boyfriend that I had, uh, he and I had, well, he, he and I had a very sexually dysfunctional relationship. I would, some would call it rape. I would call it more just, um, just episodes and incidences over and over where that the sexual relationship that we had was just not healthy. Um, Mm. there were times where I was forced to do things that I didn't want to do, but there was also this sense of needing to say yes, having to say yes, because it's my duty as a woman to serve his needs. Um, so for a lot of my years, um, growing up, I did the, I was sort of the one that was teaching myself about sex and sexuality and how to be in, in a sexual relationship with someone. And, um, and that worked out really well in some parts, but, um, mostly it was, it was pretty horrible. And, um, because I didn't know what I was doing and I was looking to other people to make up those or to, to, to have those stories be like informed for me. Like I was reading Cosmo. I was reading like right. all these just horrible, horrible places to get sexual advice. So, um, and all the while feeling the sense of confusion and not really understanding the sexual desires that I had and whether or not it was normal. And then, you know, grappling with the religious aspects of that. I mean, it was just and, and I feel like my story is also something that a lot of women go through, especially women who were raised very religious. Um, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate, but, um, and that sort of ended me, ended up with me being, um, meeting Jonathan. We met, um, online, we met on MySpace and, um, I'll save Ooh. you the, the, the crazy story around that, but, um, but 
but our sexual relationship, you know, the things, the the habits and and the belief systems that got brought up and sort of cemented in my old relationship were absolutely carried into this this new relationship that I found myself in with Jonathan. Um, and it was it was in our relationship that I realized that the sex that I had had in the past and the way that my body had been used and the way that I had been taken advantage of was not okay. Um, and I think that's why my relationship, the sex that I had with Jonathan for a good number of years was really hard for me um, because I was grappling with all of the things that had happened to me before and trying to make sense of that and and trying to make sense of the fact that like the relationship that I thought I was in that was actually a healthy sexual relationship was a violating relationship. Um, mm. Sort of doing like self-healing in this new relationship with Jonathan, which came out of nowhere. I mean, if I, I had no intention of bringing that kind of baggage into the relationship and it was, it was difficult to, to watch something new be like hindered by my own baggage and, and the things that I was, I was growing up um, or I had grown up with. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you want to get into like how he and I went through that, but that's kind of where, where I came to this relationship with him and I. Yeah. And I, I definitely would love to dive into that. I think just to give context to hear Jonathan's story too. Sure. Um, up until kind of that point And then, cause I think it would help because again, I, I really do believe that, you know, our own personal stories, like you said, you can't, we can't compartmentalize that, right? Like it just, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to or not, um, a relationship by its design is, is going to bring those things up to either heal or, or realize like it needs attention, whatever that is. So yeah, if Jonathan, you could, um, give us your clip notes version, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, from a very early age, I was raised Mormon, so from a very early age, I was taught that sex was bad and, you know, you're not supposed to masturbate or um, have sex before marriage. And I actually remember, um, yeah, I was taking a bath and I remember touching my penis at five years old and thinking, I better stop masturbating because... I'm going to turn eight soon. And eight is when you get baptized and all your sins get washed away. And I only have so much longer that I can do this. Uh, so I better figure out how to stop this <laughs> soon. So that was, that was one of my first memories of kind of sex and this conflicting relationship with sex. Cause it felt just so normal, but um, it was, it was supposed to be wrong. So that was the, message i got from religion but then there was this other message this like cultural message of like you know you're supposed to fuck lots of women and like how how successful you are as a man or like your your status as a man is like you know how many women want you and blah 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 so i kind of grew up with those sort of conflicting messages and I, I think that, you know, with, um, with every relationship I had up, 
up to my relationship with Evian, I and and in our my relationship with Evian, I really feel like I had this um, sense that you know I had gotten over for the most part. I think a lot of the religious shame and and stuff like that, but I still had this very real sense of like my success as a man is how how much my partner um, wants me and like how much she like submits to my, you know, advances. Mm. And, and, you know, when I, when Evian and I started having these, these troubles within our, within our sexual relationship, I definitely took it very personally. And I, it made me really sad. It made me really confused. And it made me like, I, I felt like there was something wrong with me. So I kind of took on the ownership of it and was like, oh, I'll just try different techniques and, you know, <laughs> whatever, all, all the things that men usually think like, oh, I just got to touch some other part. <laughs> um, right. And that, that didn't work. So that's kind of my brief, I guess, story of, yeah, my sexual history up until, you know, Evian and I started having these challenges together. Yeah, thank you. How -hmm. long has it been since you two have uh, got together on MySpace? (laughs) Uh, uh, It's been almost 10 years. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I actually would love a really brief version of that story, too. (laughs) When he said spare me, I'm like, what are you talking about? That's like my favorite question. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So... So I, so I just recently got out of that horrible relationship and I mean, we were together for three, almost three years or a little over three years. Um, so, I mean, he was my world. He was, I mean, we thought we were going to get married. He actually proposed to me. So I was just, I was distraught, but I was also trying to find a sense of freedom and autonomy after being in that relationship. And, um, my sister, she's younger than me, but she so wise, she gave me the sage wisdom because I was going through this, this period of like, oh my gosh, I'm so lonely and I don't know what to do. I was like, mm, I was like 18 at the time. Uh, I, had, I actually, I had just turned 19 when I met Jonathan. And she was like, you know what you need? You need to find like fuck buddy. I mean, she didn't say it in that, that many words, but she basically <laughs> said like, you need to find a guy that you don't commit to. Like you don't have to commit to him, but you need to like, you need a cuddle buddy. You need someone that, you know, if you want to call him to like take you out to dinner, maybe you guys can cuddle and like, you need a friendship and, and stuff like that. And I had never done anything like that, but, um, but you know, she had had all these relationships with guys and I was like, okay, cool. I mean, she's, she's the, she's the expert on this follower. (laughs) I asked her like, so what do I do? Like, I can't just like walk up to any guy. She's like, just go on MySpace. And I'd had a profile anyway, just for friends, but she's like, just go on MySpace and just search like within the area, like to see which guys are around your area and like, just talk to them. And Jonathan's profile. And I, I made sure that when I searched, I didn't search people in my town because I live in this really, I lived in this really small desert town with just all kinds of crazy weirdos and I was like I don't want anyone like that I want to go like out of bounds and meet someone new and interesting so Jonathan was the first person that I saw he was also the first person that I reached out to I believe and um, I wrote him and I said 
I don't know. I think Jonathan actually knows exactly what I said because I don't. Rem- <laughs> I don't remember. Hey, <laughs> okay. uh, she said, "I think you're dreamy." That was just like that was the whole message, and and apparently that was a, a purely platonic um, message in her. I also, but I her- also said, I, I believe I also said, I would like to spend some time in your presence. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, you're right. Exactly. That's what you totally say to someone you just want to be friends with, right? Well, I mean, I was I didn't know what I was doing, so I was grasping for straws. Anyway, um a couple days we started we started talking like immediately. Um a couple days after we started talking, we had our first date and that was it. We were inseparable ever since. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from Cuddle buddy to <laughs> yeah, very very un- unexpected. I I even told I don't know maybe I didn't tell him. I I believe I did tell him like oh, I didn't want I really I had other plans like I was ready to be free and wild. <laughs> but you know I met you and I guess I guess it's time to to settle down. So yeah, we <sighs> got together very shortly after my nineteenth birthday and got married a year after that. So. Thank you, MySpace. <laughs> yeah, bringing people together. Old school. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So you did mention Evian that, like, in the beginning, it it was it was tough for you. So was that kind of soon in that um, that it was challenging for you, or kind of was was there that beginning, just I guess pheromone. Thing happening and and then so yeah what happened like in the beginning with you too and and Jonathan if you want to chime in too on your perspective sure yeah um it's it's so interesting I'm thinking about it right now I realized that so we didn't move in together um until about six months after we got together and I'd say between day one like the first day until that six month mark um where I moved in with him I felt like our sex was really good I felt like I was very free. I wasn't thinking about emotional baggage. I mean, I I was definitely operating from that place of needing to service my man as, as a a woman should. Um, uh, I, I certainly felt like my sexuality wasn't valued in the same way that his was, but I hadn't ever questioned that to me. That was just sort of how it was. And I had gotten all these messages that confirmed that. So I was, I, I felt like I was cool being in that space and, and sort of playing at having, um, adult sex and, and pretending that I could, I could be this person for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever remember us having problems, uh, with sex and intimacy until we started living together. Uh, which I mean, and, and honestly, there's a lot of things that happened within like the first month of us living together. A lot of really, really hard things like, like my parents were getting a divorce. Um, this was the first time that I'd ever lived on my own. It was also the first time that I'd ever, uh, lived by myself or, or moved in with someone. Um, just a bunch, there's just a lot of things happening all at once at that time. Um, as well as, um, I started, uh, realizing that I was, I was like, my anxiety disorder was really starting to come, come to the head with all of those big changes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think all of those things combined 
made the sex between Jonathan and I really, really difficult. Um, and there was, there was a time I would say for a solid year where I couldn't have sex with him without having a panic attack afterward. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I was feeling, it was then that I was realizing like, fuck, my relationship that I had previously was really fucked up. And I have some messed up ideas about what sex is, about my worth as a sexual woman. I have messed up ideas about pleasure and about a healthy sexual relationship. Um, and yeah, it, it was, that was when I started feeling just, yeah, that's, I think that's when like the, that's when it was like at our all time low, <laughs> when, yeah. when all of that stuff was coming to a head and all of this change and trying to figure out like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what to believe about sex and, and sexuality. And it was, it was so rough. It was really, really rough. Mm -hmm. How long had you been together? Uh, by, mm, that point? by that point, I'd say we had been together for close to closer to a year. Okay. Um, and and I even remember talking to Jonathan and being like, you know, this is too much. Like, you did not sign up for this. Like, I, because I didn't expect any of this. I didn't expect for all of this shit to kind of come pouring out and get triggered up by by the relationship that I was in, which was completely healthy, by the way. Like, Jonathan wasn't doing, uh, he wasn't doing anything that was anywhere near the kinds of things that my ex-boyfriend was doing to me. Mm -hmm. um, but sex itself was a huge trigger for me mm -hmm. uh, so because you, of the relationship that I had had with him. And so you started feeling like you, you were too much, your emotions were too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I was feeling, I was feeling violated. I was feeling like my body wasn't mine. I was feeling like all of that stuff that was coming up was just, it, it was just a lot for, mm -hmm for a relationship that was so new and um and yeah it it was it was pretty it was pretty intense i don't i don't know why jonathan decided decided to stay I, well, I, don't I, even think, I don't think we even knew what triggering was at that point right. like <laughs> right even the word in our vocabulary was like oh i triggered you or something it was just like right. oh stuff is happening and what's going on <laughs> well and i didn't even have the the language to to speak to the experiences that I was having. Like, I mean, I didn't call the experiences that I had with my ex-boyfriend a rape until like years later. Um, like I was under the, assu the assumption that that's just how it was for everyone. Like, that's just what you do. And it's supposed to f be like that. Um, and then I'd also like to add too that like Jonathan and I were pretty fucking young. <laughs> like I was, yeah. I was 19 and 20 when I was starting to have these, um, these experiences and, and these really, really hard times. He was 21, 22. I mean, we were technically like babies in terms of, of our, and what well, I will speak for myself. I was a baby in terms of my sexual development, um, at that point. So, we, we so will. it makes Yes. Well, well, it, it, so it makes a lot of sense, you know, that, that we were sort of, I was flailing and he was flailing and yeah, it was, it was a mess. We were a mess. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan, I just, I am, I am curious. I mean, and, and there is that, I heard that question Evian had of like, I don't even know why <laughs> Jonathan like stuck around and, and I can feel that part where it's like questioning the too muchness, but I am curious what, what was going on for you personally. 
um, during that time too. Yeah, it was, it was definitely challenging for sure. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to process it. I didn't have the, um, mm, yeah, the emotional intelligence, uh, to, to know how to handle the situation. I didn't even like, I don't think I had emotional intelligence in my vocabulary either. I don't, I don't think I had processing in my vocabulary. Like I didn't know that we needed to process things. Like it was just, um, it was just these emotions and these, you know, challenging times where I would come on to Evian and she would just like, you know, recoil or, you know, close, close herself down. And, you know, sometimes she would, it would seem like she was just not there. Like I couldn't access her in, not in a sexual way, even just like in an emotional way. And I think that was, that was one of the hardest things for me because, um, I wanted to be there for her. Like I wanted to, you know, help her and, and I had this naive idea too, you know, being, you know, 21, 22, that like love is the answer. And I can like, it's just like, we need more love. And, um, mm. and so I was, I was approaching it from that place while also like trying different techniques and then also like taking it very personally and, and um, judging myself, like something's wrong with me. And, um, I don't know, I guess it never really occurred to me though, to like, that this is too much or something like that. I just felt like this is, this is what's happening and that we're going to get through this and that, um, it's, it's just temporary, you know, this is something that needs time to heal and that we'll, um, that we'll figure out, figure it out. And I didn't feel like it was, it was going to be like that forever. So, um, yeah, I guess that's why this guy, this guy is one in a million. I tell you, (laughs) the kind of stuff that he and I went through in the first, even three years of our relationship. I mean, I remember having tearful conversations with him during this time where I was trying to figure my shit out and, and, and come to an understanding of, the relationship that we we had and the relationship that I wanted to have about sex and all that kind of stuff. And I told him, like, I don't know how long this is going to take. And if you need to take on a mistress, if you need to find people to have sex with that that isn't me, I would understand because I can't I can't be that woman for you right now. Mm. And um, he was always adamantly like, no, I'm good. We're going to we're going to work through this. Very, very patient. But it was hard. It was very hard. Lots, lots of tears, lots of, um, lots of questioning, lots of hurt feelings. It was really difficult for me to feel like, uh, like he was taking the blame. Like somehow he felt that it was his fault. Like if he could just, and he kind of spoke to this a little bit, like if he could just touch me in this one particular way, or if he could just come on to me in, in this one particular way, all of my problems or all of the problems would be solved. And Mm-hmm. Um, I was very adamant that it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. And um, getting into therapy was very helpful for me, um, life-changing for me. Um, also, 
getting on antidepressants was very helpful for me, life-changing for me. I think that's when we started to see a turnaround, when when I started making um, proactive decisions about my healing and really starting to examine the old stories I had about sex and then wanting to step into wanting to experiment what it would look like to step into those new stories with him and with myself and find some sexual autonomy. Mm-hmm. And did you experience that as a turnaround point as well, Jonathan? Um, yeah, I, I did. I feel like when, I don't know. Yeah. When Evian started going to therapy and, and started really, I think processing and giving space to the things that she had experienced in the past and like coming to terms with them. Um, I think it really helped her see, and I'm speaking for you, but you can tell me if this is wrong or not, but I feel like it helped you see that this isn't the way it had to be Mm, forever. Um, And yeah, it, it definitely felt like a turning point. Yeah, because up until that point, I had thought that I was just broken. Like I was just one of those broken, frigid women who would never be able to experience sex and a sex life that she was joyful about. You know, I mean, up until that point, sex had felt very much like a chore, um, like something that I had to do in order to keep my man. And obviously, there's a lot of uh, condition, like social conditioning, things that I saw from my parents' marriage, things that I heard from my father, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things that were, that helped create that horrible notion. But yeah, for, for a while there, it felt really, really difficult. And one of the things that I think we had to unofficially do, um, was kind of not have sex for a while. Like I remember us having conversations being like, we need to take sex off the table. Like, it's just too much. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, it's just too much pressure. Like having that pressure and knowing that that might be something that we will do when we get into bed, like that's just too much. I think we just need to take sex off the table for a little bit until I can feel comfortable. Um, And yeah, that was also really hard because I mean, you know, we live in such a sex dominated culture and 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 the truth is that a lot of the messages that I was getting was that, like, you are the the pinnacle of a woman if you can have multiple orgasms, if you can have, like, sex every day for a week, multiple times a day, you know? So, um, so asking and requesting that we don't have sex for a little bit felt like, like we were giving up. Um, mm. But that turned out to be, like, probably one of the, the better things, better decisions that we made rather than trying to, like, force it, force it to work. Cause it just wasn't working at that time. Yeah. And Jonathan, was there a, a point where you kind of really got it, that it actually wasn't about you and that it wasn't something that you were doing wrong? Yeah. I, <laughs> um, yes, I think, I think I did. It took a while for me mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of convincing. Yeah. I, yeah. Ah, uh, it was, it wasn't easy. However, I do think that, you know, what you were saying, Evian, about um, taking sex off the table was was a huge shift. And and I, I almost feel like for a long time, it just felt like almost going to bed 
felt like, oh, God, here's we're going to deal with this again. And like, is it going to happen sort of thing? And there was just all this pressure, even this idea of just getting ready for bed. I can mm. feel like, oh, I wonder if it's going to happen tonight or, or whatever. And there was just so much tension around it. And even I think there there was a point where you had been doing a lot of healing and we might have been ready for sex, but it was it was like there was so much tension around it that needed to be kind of cleared. And I think that yeah. um, not having sex, like deciding we're not going to have sex, helped clear some of that. And it also, you know, I think increased the desire a little bit because anytime it's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. It's kind of like, oh, yes, yes, I can. Oh, <laughs> <So>. yeah. I, <laughs> I can attest to that. Like, I remember one of the hottest incidences of sex that we had during that time was when we weren't supposed to be having it like when we had signed an agreement or you know made an, an unofficial agreement that like that's not, that's not what was going to happen and we ended up having amazing uninhibited sex and I mean that was that was incredible for me because it showed me that I wasn't broken um and it showed me that the that the work that I had been doing and and the stuff that I'd been you know peeling the layers back on um I was getting somewhere with but we still had a lot of time to go. And I, I remember actually talking with Jonathan and feeling a sense of impatience, or maybe that was what I was projecting, but I could feel this sense of like, okay, so, you know, we've been at this for a while. You've been reading all these books and therapy and stuff. So like, can we just have a healthy sex life? And I was certainly feeling that too, like just really wanting to get to the other side because I was t so tired of this story. This, it was just really tired for me. I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't want to process. I was ready to just like, you know, be my own person and leave all of this stuff behind, but mm. you can't rush healing. <laughs> you really have to just like let it unfold the way that it needs to unfold and be patient with it. Well, and do you believe that there is such thing as the other side? Oh, totally. Cause I'm living it. <laughs> I'm living it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I asked that question from the place because I know that the things that we struggle with, they never totally like, well, I'll find out when I die, <laughs> but how it looks from here is that the things are never going to totally, totally go away. Yeah. But, um, and especially with dealing with things like, um, sexual traumas, sexual violations, rapes. I mean, it's unfortunate uh, that those memories will never go away. Um, and those experiences and, and the, the trauma that was sustained from those experiences can never be 100% erased. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, yes, there is a, another side you will, I, I still have moments where I'm triggered. I mean, I can name an incident that happens like maybe several months ago, maybe a year ago where something happened, we were trying something new in our sex, in our sexual life. It didn't work out cause I got hella triggered and, and, but, but the difference between that time and times in the past was I knew exactly what I needed to do to help pull me out of that. Mm -hmm. I, I had the techniques and the tools in my, in my arsenal to be able to come back to my body, come back to the present moment and remember that like, it was just a hiccup. It doesn't mean that you're back to where you were. 
I remember to breathe, you know, all these, all these techniques that I've learned along the way to val and to also validate that experience. Because I think in the past when I would have these freak outs and I would have these anxiety attacks, there was something inside of me that kept saying, this is ridiculous. This is not what you should be doing like this. Mm -hmm. You're being dramatic. Um, what you're experiencing probably didn't even happen the way you think it was. I mean, we do all sorts of things to go against ourselves. Mm. And, um, in this last, the last time that I got triggered, um, I, I could feel those thoughts coming up, but then I remembered, you know, like that's, that's not what I want to believe. That's not what is what I know to be true. And we're going to get through it. Mm. Um, so yeah, there absolutely isn't another side. It just, it doesn't look like everything being, um, erased from, from memory. I mean, it's still there. It's, and it's going to be with me for the rest of my life, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I hear you saying that it's not that the other side isn't that things are rosy and bright colors all the time. It's just that your relationship to the downs is, is a totally different relationship than it used to be. Is that seem accurate to you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to, brag, but I, I do feel like, so if, if I were to say Go ahead and like, brag if you want, <laughs> well, I, well, I was like, I heard that there's some sunshine and roses and like I mean, <laughs> magic out of vaginas and penises. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so I was going to say like, honestly, like I can, I can count on one hand the amount of times Jonathan and I have had a really bad sexual encounter in the last seven years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. we have incredible, amazing, earth shattering, Mm -hmm. cosmically orgasmic sex. Um, it's, it's not every time, but it damn near, it, it's damn near close. Um, and that's fantastic. That's something that I never would have been able to say, um, confidently 10 years ago, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there is, I mean, if, if my experiences and my sexual experiences with him at the beginning, the first year or two of our relationship was like, like bottom at like zero horrible, just gut wrenching awful because of how dramatic and sad and depressing it was. I would say now is out of a scale of like one to 10, it's, it's an 11. <laughs> like wow. we, we have, a, we awesome. have an amazing sexual relationship and it's just, and not even just the sex that we have. It's about the sexual compatibility, the, the way that we speak to each other, the respect that we have for each other, um, and, and a sense of autonomy around our sexual identities. Um, that makes, that, that makes it so much better than what it was totally. And actually before, cause I do want to hear about just kind of the, the intentionality into making it amazing. But before that, Jonathan, I'm curious, because obviously you said you came in with your thoughts around sex and what you were supposed to do as a man and, you know, the relationships to the woman. I'm curious what your process was in kind of shifting to a new way of looking at sex and or sex with Evian and just like what was your your journey there? Yeah, it. that's... Uh, that's a really good question just because I think that, you know, hearing the story, it could seem like, Oh, it was just Evian had these things going on and she needed to do this work. And then after that it was all good or something like that. But I think the other side of this is that if it wasn't for these challenges that we had and these challenges Evian had, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have exposed the, the real sort of insecurities that I had 
-hmm. and the fears that I had within my own sexual relationship um, to myself and to women. So I had this idea that, you know, if I, if a woman doesn't, you know, want me or submit to me or whatever, it means like, oh, I didn't do something right or I failed or I'm bad or something like that. And I had, you know, I had to learn, I was forced to learn that it's, it's not like, it's not just about me being a certain, like a certain kind of man. And then like every woman wants me or something like that, or that Evian, I just am a certain way. And then Evian will want me all the time. Mm. Um, It's, it's more about my, my own sense of confidence within myself and you know i don't i don't need evian to want me in order to feel good about myself or in order to feel like i'm validated within my my sexuality so i think that was one of the biggest transformations i experienced going through this whole journey and you know i i'm not going to lie like there's still times where like I come on to Evian and she's like not interested and I'm like a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Or like, like, did I do something wrong or should I just change the way I touch her or something like that? It's my response is more like, oh, that, that kind of sucks, but she probably isn't in the mood right now or like the timing isn't good or um, a million different other things, you know, right. it, it could be, it could be anything. It could be like what Mars is doing. And I, I have no idea. <laughs> it, probably, it probably has something to do with what Mars is doing. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. Like a million <laughs> things that I, a million things that I can't control. So, um, <laughs> I'm much better at that now. Um, and I would say that I'm a better person because of it and it's yeah it's helped me in in a lot of other ways as well knowing like you know i i just think it's so easy to think that if you if something's going on in a relationship that's not working like it's so easy to take it personally and think that it's about you um when really it's it's um it's so much more complex than that and um it's helped me take responsibility for for myself and my own sexual yeah sexual autonomy and and my own sexual relationship but it's also helped me like realize that you know if if evian doesn't want me it doesn't mean something's wrong with me so yeah well and jonathan what are some of the things that you you have done to support your own growth process what are some of the tools or like modalities that or support really, yeah so like types of support that really worked for you wow i mean i've i've gone on my own journey for sure when it comes to exploring um you know my own sexual health and and healing and just and i guess process i think exploring the work of David Data has been really transformative for me. Um, exploring um, some 
some other esoteric practices like Taoist practices and realizing like how just realizing more about the masculine in general and how much that affects my sexual relationship with my partner. So the more I'm like grounded, present, focused, like have a sense of just being completely here and embodied and um, confident, the more it doesn't make it guaranteed, right? That would be the other masculine mistake is like, oh, I just do these things and it's guaranteed outcome. Um, But from that place, it's much more likely that I'm going to create that polarity between Abion and I, and she's going to be more attracted to me. So a lot of times I, I find myself like, if I'm coming on to Evian and I realize, oh, I'm in a very feminine like space of like, oh, I need you or love me. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> like that's uh, like for her, that's like, oh, uh, like, uh, no. <laughs> um, not all the time. Not, not all the time, but it, it's pretty much most of the time. <laughs> um, so just having that knowledge and exploring those things has helped me a lot on my journey to realize like, you know, I, I have a masculine and feminine side and I can explore and play with both of those things. But if I want to create sexual polarity with Evian, then, um, I need to be conscious about that and intentional about that. Um, and vice versa, you know, if Evian's in a super masculine place because she's like trying to get shit done with her work like that might not be the best time for me to like approach her from my masculine and uh, we're just gonna it's just not gonna work so um yeah i think having that awareness just creates a little bit more yeah skill and and again i don't take it so personally um if something isn't happening between Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. yeah got it so I do you want to hear um, a little bit just in that, you know, talking about the 11 Evian, right? <laughs> just, um, yeah, just if you could share just, you know, one or two things that, you know, has really worked for both of you in in recreating or creating a new, like your sexual relationship and um, growing it into where it is now. I think one of the biggest things that was never taught to me and I don't know if it's if it's been widely taught to other people is the sense of and I've said it before today the sense of uh, sexual autonomy sexual sovereignty like before you are before you can be sexual with anyone else you need to know yourself intimately have a, a solo sexual relationship with yourself first and that's something that I was not taught I was taught that my female, my women, woman sexuality um, was activated by his sexuality. So mm. my sexuality um, wasn't valuable unless it was being sought out or gazed upon by a man. So I think one of the first things that has been a game changer, at least from my perspective, is coming to him with my own sexual identity. Um, I am a queer woman. I am um, a very femme, soft woman. I love to 
um, I love to be seen. I love to be watched, but I also love to stay in my power and feel very empowered by, by having someone witness my radiance. Mm-hmm. Um, there, when I, whenever I come on to Jonathan or want to get sexy with Jonathan or whenever I'm dancing in front of him, I love to like twerk in the kitchen with him. It's not because of him. It's because I want to do that for myself. And he just so happens to be invited to gaze and to look upon me. Um, I think having a sense, having my own sense of erotic power, um, and erotic identity has helped our relationship and, and likewise, I feel like I have, and you can speak to this, Jonathan, if it's not true, but I feel like I have inspired you to have your own erotic identity, you know, to come to our relationship with your own needs, your own personality, your own desires, so that you don't feel, and I don't feel like who I am as a sexual person gets activated as soon as we're in bed together. Like I am a sexual person by myself. I always will be. Um, until the day that I die. And I think that that is a very important relationship that needs to be established first and foremost, the sense of sexual autonomy um, and sexual independence and just knowing yourself, knowing your body, um, Mm. masturbating. I mean, I've been talking about this all month, um, this idea of of masturbation as as a form of both self-care, but also establishing an erotic identity. And I noticed that that was one of the first things to go when Jonathan and I started having really amazing sex was the solo sexual relationship that I have with myself. I mean, I wasn't masturbating as much because I was getting all of my sexual needs met um, from him, which is a great thing. It's it's not something to complain about. But I think that if, if, if I'm very... Um, if I, if I feel very strongly about this idea of erotic identity and sexual autonomy, I need to be doing the things um, necessary to keep that solo sexual relationship feeling empowered and, um, and free and open and, and connected. Um, so I guess that would be the first one, sexual autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like bringing that together, you know, like um, he, Jonathan spoke to this a little bit about, you know, masculine feminine polarity i think that's been one of the easiest ways for my erotic identity to meet his erotic identity you know being in this masculine feminine role um helps bring those two together you know it helps me feel like okay i can be who i am and he can hold me in this space and and we can create some beautiful sex magic together um so having a sense of understanding and awareness of that polarity has also allowed us to have some pretty earth shattering sex and not even just in the sense of like um you know special breathing techniques though that helps or like you know uh, (laughs) you know positions or whatever i think just having an awareness and a sense of understanding of of sex not just being about the physical but more so about the spiritual um, uh, that has been, yeah, life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can feel that. And especially that last part that you were mentioning, because I was even picturing that, like, there's so much in the space just between people when sex is happening. And even if you're not touching, and, and Bob and I were talking about this with a client the other day of, like, you know, can you have sexual energy with someone without even touching, without, and all right. of your clothes are on, right? Right. Right. And so just like playing with that kind of like connection and energy, energy. Um, and I love that spirituality, like that, that kind of connection place too. 
Mm -hmm. um, and cultivating that and then seeing the result that happens in the physical form um, as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Jonathan, anything you want to add to that as far as what you've found has allowed your your sex to blossom? I... I don't know. I, I think being open and willing to explore and and try new things has been um, what has allowed what has allowed us to continue to have better and better sex and and also like having that that mindset right because that I think is is one of the biggest pieces that most people are missing. We have these this idea that sex you know with one person has to get worse over time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found that if you are committed to sex as an actual like art form, it would make more sense that sex with one person would get better over time. Right. Because you, you create more intimacy, you get to know that, that person and their body better. Um, and you, you get better at playing with that energy together better. So I, I would say that having that mindset, and I, and I think that when Evian and I actually went to therapy together, one of the most beautiful things that we took out of that was, you know, uncovering some of our, our cultural programming that we had around sex and relationship and then realizing and being offered the opportunity to create new beliefs and to create our own beliefs around what we wanted to have in our relationship, what we wanted to believe about sex. Mm. Um, and I think so few people do that. Yeah. And if you have that, if you have that mindset from the beginning that like, Oh, sex is this way and relationships are that way, you know, it doesn't matter how many techniques you do or Cosmo things you read or, <laughs> or whatever it's, you're limited fundamentally by that, um, thing that might not even be visible to you. So I think that, yeah, just having that frame of mind, that lens that we come to our relationship with has, has been really awesome for us for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. I just, I just want to check in with you both. We're right at the hour. Um, uh, and is it okay if we spend a little bit more time closing? Do you, does that work for your schedules? I do need to wrap up fairly soon. So if we can, okay. Close, you know, kind of close up soon. That'll be good. for Okay. Me. Like, like yeah. what's soon? Maybe Maybe like five, five or five or 10 minutes. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. So I think just actually, and I am curious, um, to hear more about Evian, especially you are do this work. And, um, and we talked a little bit before that around just the inspiration to do work with, do you primarily work with women? I do. Around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you could tell us, um, about that and also how people can, um, reach you if they did want to, to do this kind of exploration themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, my, my work started 
from me being curious and wanting to create new stories and, and new narratives around sex and sexuality. That's actually why I started my blog, Sex Love Liberation, because um, I wanted a place where I could begin to chronicle the journey of sexual awakening that I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't feel that my choice to do it publicly was a conscious one. Um, I think I just like, uh, I'll just do a blog and blogs makes sense right now. Cause I'm a writer. Um, but I, I did notice very, very early on that, um, the, the things that I was speaking about, the, the struggles that I was talking about, um, and, and the sense of curiosity about, about sex and, and creating new stories definitely hit a nerve. Um, a lot of women were coming to me saying constantly, this is me, this is my story. Uh, how can I work with you? How can, mm. how, when are you teaching workshops? And, um, originally my, my blog was just going to be a blog. It wasn't going to turn into uh, a business or or a career. It was just a place that I could uh, speak my desires and and um, the things that I was looking at, working on, exploring. Uh, it wasn't until I don't know maybe two years of doing this that I realized that it was time for me to like I was in, at a place in my personal growth and and the things that I was understanding about sex and sexuality that I would love to be able to share with other women the things that I've learned um, not from a place of being an expert because I am not an expert I will uh, never be an expert uh, especially when it comes to talking about sex and sexuality because it's just so vast and there's so mm. many things that you can learn and um, I've never felt comfortable calling myself that. But I do come to my clients from the sense of like, I am a person that is so curious, just like you are. I'm a little further along in my journey than you are, um, but you and I are on the same path. You and I are doing the same things and I'm here to hold you. I'm here to guide you and um, encourage you to keep blossoming. So yeah, that's, that's what it's turned into. It's, it's mm. turned into being less about me and more about how I can serve other women who are wanting to find sexual liberation um, by stepping out of sexual shame, the same kind of shame that I was trying to step out of. And that was keeping me um, in a really horrible sexual relationship for so long. So, uh, and in that way, I feel strangely grateful for the awful times that Jonathan and I had together because they produced some really interesting conversations, which turned into some really interesting um, essays that I've written. And it's just, you know, spiraled from there. I mean, it's, it's turned into its own little movement. And um, I, I feel like the work chose me. I didn't really choose to do this. And I'm just kind of going along for the, for the ride. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So how can women find you if they are wanting to have you be their guide in, in their kind of sexual journey and reclaiming their own, um, identity? Yeah, they can find me, um, at my blog, which is sexloveliberation.com. And, um, yeah, you head there and you'll find out everything you need to know about me, um, about what it might look like to work with me. And then also just some amazing essays and resources that I've generated over the, gosh, it's been five years now that I've been doing. Wow. This. So, 
Um, so yeah, they'll find all kinds of stuff over there. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan, will you talk a little bit about the work that you're up to? We didn't touch on it here, but I would love for you to share it. Yeah. So I work with men to help them reclaim their innate wildness, their primal strength. And, uh, you can find me and everything that I'm up to at uncagedman.com. And yeah, if you're, if you're feeling, you know, trapped by domestication and, you know, the modern world and you want to get back in touch with your true nature, um, I would love to have you see what we're doing and have you be a part of it. Beautiful. Thank you both so much for spending the time with us. It's been a really amazing conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate both of you opening up about something that um, could be such a, a kind of shameful topic or a taboo topic and, and really being willing to share it with others to support them and maybe not having to suffer through it alone mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to the end of episode 14 with Jonathan and Evian. OMG. <laughs> was it not everything we promised and more? Was it as good for you as it was for us? <laughs> <laughs> I know, we crack us up. <laughs> so if you liked this episode and if you like Sex the Podcast, we, we would love your support, truly. We would love for you, if you're in iTunes, to go and give this podcast a five-star rating. And if you have the time even to write a little review, just write a few words about what you loved about this episode or about uh, Sex the Podcast. It would support us in getting Sex the Podcast out to even more listeners. So we would love for you to do that. And it also will make our day because we do read all of your comments and emails and feedback and suggestions. So please feel free to share with us and the world yeah, your yeah. thoughts. We love reading people's feedback. And if you want to stay in the loop about future episodes that are coming out, there's a really easy way to do that. You can go to sexthepodcast.com and put your name and your email address into the opt-in box and we will tell you. You'll be the first to know when new episodes come out. Thank you again for opening your heart, opening your mind, and really being willing to look at yourself and your sexuality and how that fits in with the world at large. We will see you next time around. Stay sexy. Bye, y'all.